0: Welcome to another season of DBSG, the Discipleship Bible Study Group, where we bring to you the latest analysis of news, current events, science, technology, and overall issues that stem from the Bible in terms of the everyday Christian's challenge of striving to be what God has laid out for us in terms of our path and in terms of the knowledge that we hope to acquire to be in line with his good work i'm one of your hosts brother rob and with me is the my co-host brother fred say hello brother fred hello 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 out there and with each episode that we'll bring this season as in our past seasons uh, we look to explore different topics that are usually in the news or just in our hearts or on our minds regarding how to be a better christian and so for the analysis we'll be doing today, I'm going to throw it over to Brother Fred, who's going to expand on our very interesting topic tonight.
1: Thanks for that wonderful introduction, Brother Rob. You always bring it. There's a lot of relevance and, and creed and joy as well. And, you know, Brother Rob, listener, really um, highlighted one special note. We, he and I really love doing this. Um, we're not getting paid for this other than the blessings being bestowed on us by Jesus, which is enough payment for any man, woman, chick, or child walking this planet. But tonight's subject is going to be the last days. And <laughs> since yeah, time very began. Nice way to start the season. <laughs> <laughs> well, every generation, every generation, there's always that elder, right? Uh, Brother Rob, in the yes. family that says, We're living in the last days. We're living in the last days. And as a child, you look up at them, because, you know, you're looking at your matriarch or patriarch saying this, and you're galvanized with fear. You're like, what does that mean? Is the earth going to end tomorrow? So we wanted to either prove or debunk that we really are in the last days. But I'm not letting you off the hook easily, listener. I'm going to give you 10 reasons, and I've seen hundreds as to why we really are in the last days. So brother Rob, just right off the cuff, cause I, I love your honesty and integrity and in such things. Do you feel we are in the last days?
0: Um, since I've heard the last days uh, warning all my life, I usually say no. <laughs> so the uh, reason is that um through my 40-something years of life, I've been hearing that almost every year has been the last days. (laughs) So they've been based off of um, very different interpretations of the Bible, of different cultures, and what they think are in the days. Um, As I think, at at the end of the day, the Bible says we will not know the time or hour, and I stick with that. And to me, I feel like whatever the last days or when it's gonna come, it will be a surprise to us and uh, we will not really have the warning that many people say that we will but it's interesting to hear people's reasoning for why they think the end of days is coming but to me you know I'm very skeptical only cuz I've been warned about the end of days for so long now it's uh you know it's uh, it's interesting to see you know what people view as a sign of what those end of days are going to be like or when they're coming actually so um it's always an interesting discussion and you know maybe today might be the right day i'm I'm glad i'm listening <laughs> so i know what to look out for at least
1: and of that great day no man knoweth the day of the hour then there's another scripture that says it is up to um god to conceal the his mysteries and then there's another scripture that say Is You know, it is the blessing of kings and queens to seek the knowledge of God. So what I've noticed, and I was very blind to a lot of this, even though I was a believer most of my life, but something amazing happened in 2017, listener, and I'm going to go over that. And this is a culmination, tonight's uh, Bible study is a culmination of um, pretty much everything that the DBSG, the Discipleship Bible Study Group, has put out. And the uh, Holy Spirit is was really pushing me to get this out there. And based on what I've learned, I can see why, because we are very close. While man, no man knoweth the day of the hour, that leaves the month of the year. And the kings and queens it was re- referencing to is the believers of Yeshua, Hamashiach, Jesus Christ. We are ambassadors of Christ. We are ambassadors sent here on this planet to spread the good news. So those of us who yearn to know more about things that are occurring uh in in god's timeline holy timeline he is going out of his way to share that information i've seen so many different prophets i've never seen so many prophets in my life brother rob and you know back in the day the prophet was that one person that every church had who had the vision of sight right to be able to see uh, certain things that no one else in the flock could really see or understand. But what I've been seeing in the last few years, and we talked about this in another, uh, study that the ignorance, uh, has been lifted off our eyes back in 2017. My set of spiritual eyes were one of them. And I've, and ever since then, the Holy Spirit hasn't let me rest. And I've been on this quest to learn pretty much anything I can get my hands on concerning, um, god's holy timeline and what's going on in the world right now so let's really dumpster dive in a holy way into the word and and talk and i'm gonna give you the 10 reasons why i feel we are in the last days jesus declared this is luke 17 26 jesus declared as it was in the days of noah so it will also be in the days of the son of man so Jesus gave us a um, mile marker, if you will, on when his return is going to be imminent. Now, anybody just reading that, okay, sounds cool, and it gives a a timeline of, you know, something is going to occur that's similar to Noah's days, and, you know, it's going to mark a a timeline on God's calendar of, of, of such things to come. And what was happening in the days of Noah? There were, you know, God destroyed the world as we know it by water because of the sin that was in the earth, that was on the earth. So he cleansed that sin from the earth at that time using the great flood. So are we back there again where the whole earth? has gotten to the point where there is so much sin and evil and everything that's on this planet that God needs to come back and fix things permanently again. I think we are because one of the scriptures that uh, that's in the Bible talks about good will be called evil and evil will be called good. You're having pastors in churches right now. And remember when, when Jesus wrote his holy doctrines he was writing to all of the churches paul wrote to several of them i think john wrote to several of them jesus the only uh character holy figure that wrote the holy figure that wrote to all the churches explaining basically at his time period in a future state what was going to be occurring in the church during the last days and i just read an article last summer late last summer, early fall, where a pastor was thrown out of his church by his own flock because he was preaching the gospel and they didn't want to hear it. He didn't come out and say anything offensive about any of the members. He wasn't drunk, cursing, committing adultery. He wasn't doing anything. He was in his normal mode teaching the gospel and because they did not want to hear it they excommunicated him and had the police show up or they just i don't know how they did it whether they had the police show up or just had deacons or people below him just remove him but they put him out of the church and what you're seeing now in the church and i've talked to a few people who have said they're just totally blown away and disgusted by what they're seeing in churches, where it's sort of this watered down um, religion where, oh, it's okay for you to be this way. And, oh, we're just going to, you know, everything is earth and energy and good feelings. And and no one is talking about the gospel anymore. And that's what, that's what we are mandated to do. It wasn't one of those things that Jesus said, if you feel like doing it, Yeah, you could go ahead and do it. If it's on your mind that particular day, yeah, you want to feel good, go ahead and do it. He told us we are to go into all the land and preach the gospel. That is a clear-cut order he gave us, and we're supposed to be doing it. Um, Point number one, rebirth of Israel in 1948. The fig tree generation. One of the biggest signs that heralds the ending of the age and the return of Yahshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, to this planet is the fig tree generation, and that was Israel. Now, Isaiah sixty-six-eight says this, Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? Right? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. So Isaiah himself was saying that the birth, one great sign of the return of Jesus is Israel being reborn in one day. And that occurred in 1948. It started back in the 1800s with a uh, movement called, I believe it was Zionism, where that encouraged Jews worldwide. Uh, to return back to Israel. At the time, it was called Palestine. And then within hours of the um, Declaration of Independence in, in 1948, Israel was attacked by surrounding countries. That was Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, Iraq, and Saudi Arabia. And e- Ezekiel had a similar Um, vision, because Ezekiel was a prophet as well. And Ezekiel 37, 10 through 14 states that the prophet receives a vision in which Israel was seen as a scattering of dried up bones, right? And in his vision, God tells Ezekiel that the bones, Israel, will be brought back to life. And just as Ezekiel had prophesied that around, I think it was around 2,600 years ago, the Jews were brought back into the land. And the country of Israel was brought back to life. They reestablished their sovereignty back in 1948. And the Holocaust itself was one of the greatest signs when they talked about the scattering of dry bones. When they went into those concentration camps where those, you know, the Jews who survived the Holocaust were still there. They said, looking at them, it looked like a whole nation of dried up skeletal remains still alive but their what they had in their eyes and the way they looked was two different things in their eyes was the glory and the power of their god because they knew they were about to be delivered so that is the first great sign or number one on my list of the ten the rebirth of israel in 1948 that's also called the fig tree generation once again And if you do the math of a generation, the Bible states that a generation is 70 to 80 years, uh, give or take a year or two. And if you do the math from 1948, uh, 80 years from that, that's 2028. And that is a significant, significant number because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, 2029 is a uh, another Shemitah cycle. And I'm going to explain what Shemitah cycles are, the importance as to how this particular Shemitah cycle that's about to end this month in March. Um, what happened in the last uh, seven years Shemitah cycle is definite proof that something is occurring That is beyond holy, and it's it's just beautiful and amazing. And I'm going to go over that at the end towards the. I think that's going to be my last point. It's going to be point number ten. So, any uh, comments you want to make, brother Rob, or shall I continue?
0: Um, you can continue. I think these are one of those things where you have to, you're you adding up everything to a conclusion. If that's you got right. that
1: right. Because, <laughs> a lot. you know, some people may say, oh, yeah, so what? What does that mean? It doesn't yeah, mean anything on its own, right? They, they, yeah. They what a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> OK. All right. The next one on the list. Number two, the third Jewish temple. Uh, the second uh, Jewish temple, and this is in the Talmud, was recorded by the holy high priest, Was rebuilt in seventy A.D. I'm going to go over the importance of that in the historical timeline of things. Uh, But that was the second temple, and of course, eventually it got destroyed. Um, And the third temple, there's a um, uh, there's a biblical sequence of events that's going to be leading up to uh, Jesus' second coming, and the third temple is going to have to be rebuilt no later than the midpoint of the seven year tribulation. That's also called Daniel's timeline, um, the period where uh, God is going to, uh, I wouldn't say exact his revenge, but he's going to come to the earth and give due justice for anybody that's still here, that doesn't get heart rapture, rapture. Uh, The great tribulation is called Daniel's timeline. It's, it's, It's called by a lot of different names. And the Jewish Temple Institute of Israel, right, has been planning this for 36 years. They've been in the process of rebuilding or putting the plans together to rebuild the third temple for 36 years. And they have everything from the build all the way down to the furnishings. The only thing that they haven't accounted for because they don't physically have it in hand. And I have I have heard that it's in several different places. It's the Ark of the Covenant because the Ark and the Covenant for the temple, third temple to be complete, has to be sitting in the third temple. So they have those plans. They have them ready to go. They were f- they were totally finished and ready to go. I heard a couple years ago. And what they're going to do first is they're going to um, put up maybe like a tent city like a tent temple, right, made of tents, while they're actually building the physical temple. And I heard that they could have the temple built, totally built, inside of a month so or less. That is phenomenal, very phenomenal. So the scripture states, and mainly, and it's, it's in different places, how the Antichrist is going to sit in the third temple, the man of perdition, that is, and declare himself as God. So the third temple has to be built, is going to be built on the Temple of the Mount, which is currently not their property, <laughs> not Israel's property, right? The Muslims own that. But the Dome of the Rock, from what I've learned in my studies, is going to disappear in one day in a hurry. So what could possibly remove uh, a physical structure like that so easily, and one day, a great earthquake. A great earthquake is going to come and shake that whole temple down to its rubble. And I think it's going to throw the uh, Muslims offline, and then that's going to allow Israel, <laughs> the Jews, to be able to come in there and build the third temple after they clear everything away. So it, it it's going to be interesting. Now, part of the Third temple sacrifice because you have to have they're going to reinstitute the sacrifice. Um, the is red heifers. They're going to sacrifice red heifers. And what's interesting is this on Thursday, I believe it was September 15, 2022. There were five Perfect, unblemished red heifers that arrived in Israel from the U.S. And uh, Brother Rob, can you guess which state that they came from?
0: I'm guessing Texas.
1: You got that right. They came from Texas, which is interesting because when you look at states that are against... A lot of things that you know, as far as freedoms and religions and a, a lot of other things that's going on as you see those usually just you know states like uh, Florida, Texas, very opinionated uh, states. Um I'm not saying what they're saying is wrong. They just have their own opinions on how things should be. i I do like some of the things that they do there. I used to live in Texas. I love Texas, but the five red heifers came from Texas, which to me is a is is god basically laughing at america because of what texas represents. So and I don't feel that the temple institute and all those other organizations uh, that's received those red heifers are waiting another 15 to 20 years before they sacrifice those heifers and there's a reason why they're not waiting. Because the red heifer to be sacrificed has to meet the following four criteria. Red hair, reddish brown, that's the color. Condition, perfect, without blemish or defect, and never yoked. That's from Malachi eight. They have to be female. And the age, this is from Hebrews 9.13. Generally, the animal had to be one year old at the peak of life. Sometimes it could be as young as eight days or as old as three years. And I don't feel that they're going out of their way because, remember, the things that the Israelites do, that the Jewish nation does, is all based on edict from uh, the Torah, uh, the Talmud, their holy leaders, and everything is on a timeline. If you look at their great nation, they have never missed a holy time period a feast of jewish feast of festival since they came into existence and they never will they are very dogmatic about you know their holy holy uh, rituals and customs and courtesies so if they're out looking for red heifers it's because they know that the time is nigh and i want to give you more information in a little bit to show you why they feel the time is nigh. So, number three, the Magog-Gog War or Gog-Magog War of Ezekiel 38-39. Uh, there's a prophecy that states that there's going to be an invasion of Israel. Uh, that's in Ezekiel 38-39. And it only tells us that the Gulf nations, such as Saudi, um that will merely protest to greet the invaders, but they will join them. Uh, There's going to be Russia, Iran, Turkey will, um, and they're doing it now. If you look at Iran and Turkey, they're both, because Turkey, if I'm not mistaken, Turkey used to be a friend of Israel, but now they've joined alliances with Russia and Iran. So... Then, one of the main reasons why a lot of these other countries are going to be joining is because of the prosperity of Israel. And that's what is going to cause countries like Russia to join because Russia could care less about uh, Israel. They don't look at Israel either positive or negative. Uh, they feel because Israel is about the size of New Jersey, they're not a very big nation. And they're pretty much surrounded almost on all sides by enemies who would love to take them off of the map in a hurry. But they can't because <laughs> God won't allow it. So Iran, Russia, and Turkey, they this was in um, an article from the Harbinger's Daily website that stated that uh, Iran, Russia, and Turkey signal growing alliances. And it goes into great details to... Um, explain how those nations continue to strengthen their alliances back in 2021 and 10 years before that once again turkey was one of israel's closest allies and so isn't it amazing brother rob how quickly people turn on you (laughs) it's amazing you go from being their ally to being one of their enemies who wants to go in and and plunder and and kill them off so that's i mean iran has
0: geopolitics yeah
1: (laughs) Well, Iran has always, since they came into existence, has always hated Israel. And it's their holy mission for them to be rewarded in heaven. Their holy mission is to wipe out Israel. For them to receive their reward in heaven, Israel has got to go. So there's been no doubt about where they've always stood with Israel. But Turkey, not, not so much. I mean, that's really sort of a surprise in a way. So what is going to force some of those other countries to want to get into the mix? Well, it's just this was discovered in the last few years that one of the biggest caches of natural gas was found off of the uh coast of um Israel and on their land one of the biggest caches of oil that is supposed to even rival um what Russia has. So that's what's going to get Russia involved. Russia's going to say, we want, we want that, the, the plunders of war. We we want to get in there. And I don't think if you look at the history of Israel, there's, you know, there's always been Iran, Syria, other countries going to war with them. They've been at war, constantly at war, but no one has ever been able to take them out of play since 1948. No one has. And they've been constantly fighting since then. It would take a great nation like Russia and others to get involved in the Gog Magog War to, for Israel to be destroyed. And it does state in the Bible that Israel is going to be they're going to be running for their lives. They're going to they're going to run into the hills uh, and a third of them are going to run into the hills where they're going to be spared. That means the other two thirds more than likely will be killed or be scrambling and, and trying to find safe haven. So it's going to be pretty interesting. It's going to be very interesting in those last days. Number four, technology that makes the mark of the beast possible. One of the great uh, signs of the uh, fig tree generation, and the Bible talks about this in detail, is it, it, it really talks about our technology and the wars and how things are going to happen. And those things are... I mean, you have to really understand how the Bible is written and how it words things. The people who were writing it in the spirit of God uh, didn't know about atomic bombs. They didn't know about cruise missiles. They didn't know about any of that stuff back then. But the Bible gives a clear picture of what it appears to be a World War III. So we're going to go, we're going to talk about that. Um how major wars is another sign but technology itself is a sign because for some of the things that are going to occur like for instance when the um antichrist the man of perditions stands in the temple the third temple and declares himself as god the whole world is going to see it how can the whole world see it without television the whole world is going to see it because what he's going to do is going to affect The whole world. The cool thing is (laughs) when the rapture occurs, and basically Jesus is going to come down to the clouds and he's going to say, Come hither on the last trump. And all those who are in graves who belong to him are going to rise up out of their graves. And everybody else that is his that, that was living on this planet is going to rise and meet them in the air. You know what? The power of Jesus, you're not going to need no. NBC, CNN, <laughs> whomever else to see that occur, that's going to be seen pretty much by all of us, but yet by no one, <laughs> because when the rapture occurs, it's going to occur in a blink of an eye. Fast, it says in a twinkle of an eye. A twinkle is even faster than a blink. So a fourth, if you if you could, if it takes a fourth of a second to blink your eye. A twinkle of that fourth is probably a fourth of that. So basically, there's going to be one neighbor talking to another neighbor, and he's basically just going to disappear. And his clothes will more than likely fall to the ground, because clothes, we're going to be in our spirits. We're not going to need the clothes, and all that's going to fall to the ground. So Jesus don't need, he does not need Um, CNN, he doesn't need a television to record anything he's going to be doing because he is the great I am. So, but the beast system, when they spread their false propaganda, like what you're seeing now, it's a lot of false prophets, a lot of false propaganda being spread throughout this planet right now. Um, there's a lot of people who've come here in the last 50 years and declared themselves as the Messiah that have led a lot of people astray. And it even talks about that in the last days. There's going to be a lot of false prophets leading people astray. And we're seeing it more and more and more. So artificial intelligence is going to be one of the biggest signs um, as to how they're going to control mankind. Uh, The beast system and before the beast system is going to be the. um, um, What's it called, Brother Rob. The NWO, the New World Order. So the New World Order is going to be the first group that's going to assert its dominance and control over mankind. And artificial intelligence is going to be one of those tools that they're going to use to help control everyone through chip technology and other things that they're going to be devising. Matter of fact, the first RFID chip that was the size of a grain of rice was installed in a human in 1998. And since then, we've had several countries. like I think there's been places in India that and other companies there's been companies here in the U.S as well um, that has um, had their workers install chips, microchips into their body. And that's going to be the wave of the future. You're not going to be able to buy, sell, trade, clock into work, get paid, do anything without that chip because money is gonna go away. There's gonna be one, one wealth system. And for the new world order to take over using technology, they have to switch us to digital currency. Because if they don't switch us to digital currency and they leave the dollar and yen and you know the Bach, whatever is out there in existence, you can always squirrel some away and use that that you have as a form of trade. So even if they stop making money, there's going to be people who has money squirrelled away that can exact trade with everyone else and cause a disruption in their plans. So for your money, for them to have total control over your money, they have to make it digital. So they know where it's at all the time, how much you can have, how much you're spending, how they can use it to control you. They're going to take away everything from you. They're going to take, <laughs> you think you got a retirement plan now? When they switch to that digital currency, we're going to find out real soon what's going to happen to our retirement plans. And trust me, they already have something in place that's going to explain it away to where people are going to buy it hook, line, and sinker so that there's no revolution because I, have, I no longer have a 401k and I'm broke. So they're going to make it seem so beautiful, this cornucopia of beauty and peace and how we're going to take care of you and all this stuff, but it's all going to be a lie. Vladimir Putin said himself that uh, he was warning Russians that the country that led in technologies using artificial intelligence will definitely dominate the globe. He said that a few years ago. And it's been said that whoever, whichever country leads chip technology by 2030 will rule the world for at a minimum a hundred years. So there are several countries obviously that's jockeying for that. Russia, definitely China, America, basically most of your uh England, all your superpowers basically are jockeying for that role. And it's it's happening. One of the wars is going to start real soon is based on one country trying to invade another country because of this microchip technology. And I'm going to bring that up here in a few minutes. So, so far, we've discussed, uh, we're, we're up to number four. We talked about the rebirth of Israel. We talked about the Jewish Third Temple. And trust me, they're not building that temple or plan to build that temple. They haven't been making plans for the last 36 years to build the temple 200 years from now. It doesn't make any sense. they doing the plans now. When the fig tree generation came into existence, because they know that the time is nigh at the end of the fig tree generation. The Can Rand he- explain
0: what you mean by the fig tree generation? Because just so I'm not crystal clear on uh, who that refers to or what it refers to. When right. you say fig tree generation,
1: the fig tree generation talks about the great generation of Israel, and that is going to be the great generation of people that's going to facilitate the return of the messiah
0: now where, is that a bible reference or is that just a reference from a scholar the fig tree generation like where's that term come from
1: it's um it's all over the bible it's all over the bible um daniel 927
0: in case we're like viewers you know right. readers or listeners like myself weren't uh, entirely clear what that referred
1: Oh, absolutely. Matthew 24, 15 through 20, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 8. Um, Ezekiel 37, 10 through 14 was talking about it as well. He, gave, he had a vision that God gave him about uh, the birth of the fig tree generation, and that was 2,600 years ago.
0: Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, Thanks for uh, just
1: clarifying that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And what I will probably do, um, I didn't look up any exact scriptures stating calling them the fig tree generation. I know it was talked about in Matthew. All the Gospels talk about it, all of them. So what I will do, I'll add an excerpt um, where I I give you the exact scriptures where people can find them. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Number four, the technology that makes the mark of the beast possible, and number right. five, yeah. yeah, number five, the great reset. When the tribulation period arrives, there will be a, um, there will be three global systems on the earth at the time. There will be a one-world government. That's a political system. A global religious system. That's the one-world religion. And a global economic system. And that's, you know, that's everything about taking control of buying and selling. And in uh, September, September 25th, 2015, the U.N. approved a document called Transforming Our World, the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. And that was from our Bible study we did called Show Me the Money. And in there, they gave all the reasons why... It's necessary for the new world order to take over the governments. Basically, all the governments under the UN are part of this um, and take over the world. They claim is to give us (laughs) uh, peace uh, on on Earth and help mankind survive and be more harmonious. But that is all a ruse. They're not going to do any of that. Um, It's just not going to happen. Let me give you some of the things that they said they were going to do with that uh, to, to make things beautiful for us. And it's like I said, it's all a ruse. They're going to end all poverty in all forms everywhere. They're going to end hunger, achieve food security and improve nutrition and promote sustainable agriculture. They're going to ensure healthy lives and promote well-being for all at all ages. Ensure inclusive and equitable quality education and promote lifelong learning opportunities for all. Here we go. Number five, achieve gender equality and empower all women and girls. I want to stop right there (laughs) because the Middle Eastern nations have all rescinded any freedoms that they've given girls and women. Especially places like Afghanistan after we left, after we uh, pulled pulled away from there, I mean, this list, there's seventeen things on this list. The first five sounds so ridiculous because here's why, listener, mankind has been fighting <laughs> since since we first gotten here. Do you honestly feel at this point the way things are spiraling out of control? Okay, and this is happening not only in America and I feel in America, we're on the verge of a civil war, but there are other nations that are having their Iran is killing people for speaking up. Russia is. Jailing and killing people for speaking up and other nations as well, people who are protesting, they're going in and they're wiping these people out wholesale. Do you honestly feel. That they're going to turn around after exerting all this control over his people and say, we're doing this all for you. We want you to be peaceful and harmonious. When they're controlling everything in America now, all the food, water, basically the best Maslow hierarchy of needs, food, shelter, clothing, water, fuel, whatever. It's all being controlled, even water. If you don't pay your water bill, you can't even drink water. (laughs) You can't get water out of your tap. So all the commodities are already being controlled by big business, You know, rich people. And all of a sudden, we're going to believe that these same rich people are going to ascend down upon us and make us a more peaceful, loving group of people? I can't see it happening that way. What, What about you, Brother Rob? What do you think?
0: I know those going to sound, I mean, those, what you, the points you listed sounded more like goals. You know, it's, um, I mean, the UN, they're always trying to work towards, you know, those things. So it didn't sound so strange to me, but, um, it'll be interesting to see more evidence of what you're speaking about. Um, cause, you know, it's tough to really definitively nail those things down in terms of what people feel may happen versus what may actually happen. But it's an interesting point and an observation that you're making there.
1: And, they're, and you're right. They're all goals. Those were 17 goals that they want to accomplish in the next 15 years. Um, so by and so this was done in uh, 2015, 15 years, 2030. We're at 2023. I don't see it. I mean, they got basically <laughs> seven years, uh, less than seven years to accomplish these. They haven't done any of them. <laughs> well, yeah, so those, those are very <laughs> big goals. <up> <laughs> <laughs> I Maybe. just don't see so, it mean, happening. It's just not going mean, to happen. Like
0: several generations, you know, that they have to, uh, and I don't know that that's happening now. I think uh you know you mentioned some of the conditions that are that you know are challenges for them to meet in terms of these countries and what some people might even look at, and I guess what you're kind of underscoring, which is that things are moving backwards. So, you know, in a, in a way, you know, are, are you going to be able to achieve those goals when things are actually regressing rather than progressing? So yeah, it's, a, it's definitely an interesting point. I,
1: I, what it looks like they're giving us a vision of cornucopia of peace and harmony as if we were a class one or class A society. So what's a class one society where there are no wars? There is no money because you don't need money. Everybody, everything is shared. There are no rich people. There are no poor people. There are no black, whites, green people. There's nothing. There's just us together living harmoniously and loving and trusting. And there'll be no crime. We're not even close to being there yet. I mean, have you walked around this place recently? You got <laughs> Russia invaded Ukraine. You just had the first year of that, right? You got uh, um, China ready to invade Taiwan, which I think is going to happen in the next two years. You got North Korea ready to jump into South Korea. It's just crazy around here. The Gog-Magog war is about to kick off any any day now. So I I don't see any of this stuff happening unless they take total 100% control over us and dictate In other words, if you don't do what I tell you to do, we're going to take you out and execute you. So you're not going to cause a problem with your neighbor, because if you did, they would just show up and wipe you out. I don't know about you, Brother Rob. I don't want to live in a society where I'm being told 100% what to do, how to live, where to eat, how to pray. None of that. I don't want to live in that. But that's what's—that's the only way I can see by 2030, they can exact total control to be able to achieve at a minimum half of these objectives or goals. Well, yeah, I
0: don't, think that, I don't think their goals will be reached by that. I don't think most of their goals will be reached by that point. Um, but when were those also created? Do you, remember,
1: 2015, did you, see
0: what you 2015. Oh, okay, that was before... Um. Some and that was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah,
1: yeah. And that that was approved right here in in the UN in New York, and the Pope was there when they solidified it. So we already I think know back that
0: at that time things were more positive. And to be honest, I think people just didn't see the world that we're living in eight years later. You know, I think that uh, people were under the impression that there was progress towards those goals, and you know, some of those things were changing. Um, overall, what I think really takes place more or less is that you know our global society goes through moves, and you know people are looking to the United States in terms of um the influence of those moves. And so I think back then, there was more of a positive hope and change um, attitude that for the most part was going in a somewhat decent direction, but never really always a good one. And a year later, it went. And, Really bad direction. and the world we're seeing today is really a reflection of that change of mood. You know, even today you're seeing the di- more dictator-like and authoritarian like um, societies and politicians and leaders who are openly, you know endorsing those types of control that you mentioned, you know, in terms of controlling people and that. and even in Tunisia, where you know they're you know uh, subjugating anyone who's African who's not you know a non-african tunisian or non-black tunisian um in terms of blaming them for all the country's woes and trying to kick them out um because of the color of their skin and so um which people have always people have been referencing to the elements that we've seen in our country in terms of people being looked at and you know subjugated to being called outsiders and you know um trying to be trying to kick them out of the country so it's um yeah i think those goals that were mentioned are definitely far off and uh although i don't know if uh i feel like it won't be a 230 i don't feel 230 is going to be someone just forcing us in those societies but you never know those societies already exist now so why couldn't it be a possibility that they and that type of thinking has expanded in terms of the authorities and the totalitarianism and um even under a level of fascism at the moment but um you know it is you know it's, it's certainly possible that you know we could be in a situation where that is spreading and maybe that's what would be the influence that would be needed to exert the goals being achieved that you mentioned before so it's an interesting um point well
1: what's inter what's also interesting brother robin you brought up some very good points is this all-inclusive society that our country is building where you it doesn't matter what you are you know you're still part of the whole and you know while that may seem like a beautiful thing to accept people for who and what they are it is it fits the mode exactly as to how they're going to use that to control us because you know to get everybody to play along you first have to make everybody agree that you're one So when they can convince you that you're one, it doesn't matter if you're homosexual, straight, short, tall, dark, ugly, rich, poor. When they can convince you that we're just one group, one religion, one thought process, one economic process, gotcha. Because who's going to control, be at the top of that pile, it's going to be organizations or like the New World Order. And
0: well, the... I, think I think the inclusion thing isn't really an a, a effort to make everybody one. Although I can see what you're saying in your point, because part of that discussion is that everybody's different to begin with, and that mm-hmm. that's the oneness that you you respect everyone being different. Exactly. So it,
1: it's like a reverse so. psychology that they're yeah. going to use. You yeah. know, yeah, don't I mean, just discriminate just... against your neighbor <laughs> because he walks around wearing a dress and he's a male, right? So <laughs> that's going to be part of that, and they're going to use that under the one world religion. And that well, one world religion is what we're seeing in churches. What's that? By
0: 2029. Is that what yes, you sir. <laughs> You're saving that for the end.
1: Well, um, let me see. 2 Timothy 3, uh, 1 through yes. 17 states, but I um, understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self. Lovers of money. Proud. Arrogant. Abusive. Disobedient to their parents. That's a big one. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful. Unholy. Heartless. Unappeasable. Slanderous. Without self-control. Brutal. Not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying his power. Avoid such people. Now, here's the thing. If I took this one of those points by itself, it wouldn't fit what I'm trying to show you tonight, listener. But when you put this whole thing together and truthfully look at what's going on in the world— we have a society that exists now, even if we just stick to America only, just because we live here, where people feel that they can say and do anything they want and not be held accountable. There used to be a time period where people had enough integrity, people had enough forthwithcomingness to put themselves in the check, or if someone else did it the right way To them, they would accept that information, process it, and come out and say, you know what? You're right. But now you have a society where people feel that they can say or do whatever they want. We just had a guy lied 100% on his resume that got elected into Congress. And when it was found out, if it was 30 years ago, more than likely he would have said, bowed his head and said, you're right, I I did the wrong thing. I'm going to step down. When they asked him to, this guy is coming out and saying, so what? Everybody on this planet is is a liar. Everybody on this planet is imperfect. So what? I told a few lies, right? I I said I went to Baruch College. I don't even know where Baruch College is at. Right, he said. He said his parents survived the his grandparents or parents survived the Holocaust, and that he's Jewish. Then he turned around to say Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, I mean, and then you have people, other congressmen, who said, "Ah, uh, let him stay, because he's one of us. Let him stay." Where is the? I, I, I don't get it. Come on, <laughs> what does it take? And so.
0: that point I'll give you, that is a scary, I think that that is one thing you're seeing where people are not being held accountable in the way that they used to be. And that's a scary thing because if there's no accountability, there's a lot of freedom to do a lot of bad things. And there's a lot of freedom to do a lot of bad things, then, you know, almost anything is up to grabs. And it's a slippery slope. So I'll give you that point.
1: Thank heavens for video cameras because some of the police brutality and I'm not for defunding the police. I have quite a few friends and family who are police. I'm retired military myself. So I view myself as being a different type of police. I love them. I respect them. I just saw two officers last weekend. I was out with my family and I told these gentlemen, I said, thank you for what you're doing out there to watch our backs every every time you're on ship, watch your six and be safe. And they said, thank you. And, I, and they said it with with pride. And they appreciated the fact that somebody else recognized that every time they step into that uniform, they are a target. So those men and women, in my opinion, can't be paid enough. But <laughs> little B, you, little, little U, you, little T, they you know, there are some issues and they need to work together with their particular um Counties and states to resolve it. I don't think that the federal government should get involved in resolving these things. I think it should be on a state level, but they need to clean up certain individuals within certain organizations who clearly are not right, who are using that shield, who's using that uniform, who's using that pledge and that oath to serve and protect to push forward their own agendas. Has there been quote unquote crooked cops since the beginning of time? Absolutely. But I feel that um, because we are close to a civil war, things are are starting to come to a head with how um, the men and women in blue are are behaving at certain times. And the majority of them, you could trust with your life. They're going to be there for you when you need them. They're loving, they're kind, they do some amazing things for their communities. You can go on the news all the time and see it. You can look at YouTube videos of some of the things these men and women have done. They've saved lives. They pulled people out of burning cars. They've, you know, jumped in front of a bullet to say, I mean, those stories are out there. It's just that these negative, these few negative stories that have hurt and killed people who are really innocent, right? And if they're not innocent, you're innocent until proven guilty, Um, overshadows the beauty and the servitude that they've done for our communities. Next on the list, number six, natural disasters. This is one we did in a Bible study called the birth pains, where uh, in the Revelation uh, 12, 1 through 4, 1 through 5, it talks about even the earth is going to show signs of the uh, times. And it reflects and talks about, you know, changes on the Earth that's going to occur. And we're seeing that now in the Earth. One of the things is um, global warming. And these things have not been occurring overnight. These things have been building up for hundreds, if not thousands of years. It's just that I feel because we are in the last days, they're culminating and coming to a head. Global warming. um, What are the effects of... uh, global warming each year scientists learn more about the consequences of global warming and they gain a um, more evidence and a perspective on how it's going to impact us and this planet and I think last winter is some significant proof of what global warming is doing to this planet have you ever heard brother Rob of Los Angeles getting snow I'm not talking about a few flakes that fell on Snoop Dogg's head (laughs) that he may not even notice i'm talking about some major significant snowfall have you ever heard of los angeles getting snow i know i haven't maybe i missed miss something somewhere california
0: has been getting every weather event you could possibly think of in the last month <laughs> drought you know they have floods you know with the rains and the snow and it's been crazy with you know it's certainly a different uh it's certainly a different weather report that you're seeing in california than you we've
1: ever been used to before. And this is a startling stat that I picked out. If we're not able to reduce our emissions, and I, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't believe that driving around in your Ford Bronco 2 or your Dodge Ram truck that's putting out all these carbon emissions is what's caused all of this global warming. And if you really look at what's happening to this planet, because that you know that may explain... Yeah, that may explain um, a small part of what's happening. But how does carbon emissions affect Teutonic plate shifts, volcanic eruptions, earthquakes, hurricanes? How does it explain all of that? It do- it doesn't really explain all of that. We are right now we're in a we're in a uh, a shift a pole shift a magnetic pole shift. I don't think carbon emissions can cause a pole shift. There is something occurring outside of this planet that has such an effect on this planet that is causing all these things to occur over time. Scientists I
0: thought pole shifts happen every like two hundred thousand years or something. What's I thought pole shifts occur every like two hundred thousand years or something like
1: that. I thought that was just a
0: natural occurrence of the earth through history.
1: Not not normally. No, it doesn't occur that often. Uh, I could be wrong. Caused, and if I am, what caused, the,
0: what caused the last pole shift? I'm just asking I, you as a science man if you, if you had looked into it or not. No, uh, I, haven't, you know, I haven't looked into it. I read it. that it basically, it, for whatever the reason, it'll like just, I don't want to say for whatever the reason, but there's a reason why it'll actually shift. And that happens like every 200,000 years. But it's very random, though. You know, there isn't. Uh, and there isn't an explanation as to why, or at least we haven't discovered an explanation as to what causes it, but um, but it has happened in the past. So it's, it's an interesting phenomenon.
1: I personally feel that the last few were caused by God. I think the one now is being caused by God. There is this celestial body that's passing through every so many years. It passes, I think every um, 3,600 to 4,000 years, it passes by. And every time it gets close between us and the sun, and when it gets close to us, it affects our planet. And it's falling along. It's at the closest of its return back through our um, galaxy, our solar system, that is. It's going to be um, probably close around 2030, and we're going to see a lot of crazy things that are happening. But that's, you know, I can't prove that, but looking at the timeline of how things have been occurring i i, I agree with you brother rob i don't think post shifts just happen on their own i think scientists if they really want to know what's causing it they can they just don't want to believe why you know who's doing it and for what reason. so if they can't prove it scientifically then there is no good reason but i feel god is doing it because he's marking certain things on his timeline on his calendar If you look at the events that are going to occur during Daniel's tribulation, uh, Daniel's timeline, the great tribulation, a lot of those things has to do with meteors and other um, events happening on this planet. Basically, it, it says in Revelation that the earth is going to wobble like a drunken man. What could possibly be powerful enough to affect our very position in outer space. It has to be a celestial body that is so big and has such a magnetic effect on us to be able to shake the shake our planet like a drunken man. The Bible states it clearly, and that's in Revelation. So if you don't believe me, listener, go look it up for yourself. It said the earth will wobble like a drunken man. It didn't say John on the planet's surface. <laughs> it said the earth, the entire earth, will wobble like a drunken man. It also states that during that same time period that every structure that's standing, every mountain, will be reduced to rubble. So you got mighty Mount Everest. Do you know what it would take to level Mount Everest? A planet that's shaking like a drunken man. A whole planet. That, That would be enough power and force to level a Mount Everest. And that's what the Bible says that we're facing. And I think global warming, pole shifts, um, earthquakes in diverse places, it talks about that. And we mentioned that in another study. Now, here's a point about global warming. Scientists stated that we're not able to reduce our emissions, so let's stick with that for now, emissions causing global warming. Scientists believe that climate change could lead to the deaths of more than 250,000 people around the globe every year and force 100 million people into poverty. Guess what? By 2030. 2030 is a big number. how How many
0: people were you saying? I know you said 250,000...
1: 250,000, 250,000 a year dead okay. with more than 100 million people put into poverty, poverty by
0: 2030. Oh, okay. I mean, that kind of makes sense depending on where you're looking at in the world. You know, you, you've seen the stories about Southern Sahara or the Southern Sahara Desert and how it... I don't want to say it's expanding, but basically it's kind of like the what's taking place where you know places that used to be right there on the edge are now turning into somewhat extensions of the desert you know they're losing right. their water sources it's drying up so you hotter there it's causing people to be misplaced and it's causing kind of like a migration you probably heard the term where i think it's called climate migration where people are moving because the climate that they're in basically is no longer hospitable and Correct. so uh mm-hmm. you know that, that would make sense where like you have a hundred million people you know right now you're seeing the outskirts of it and you know of course you know, small amounts of popu- small populations live at the outskirts of you know, our countries our shores our, our deserts but if you look at china and if you look at the deserts there and then you look at so you know Sah- the sahara desert too and i'm sure if we look at some other deserts you know more closely you might actually see the beginnings of that taking place
1: and that's just due the numbers I just gave you, a listener, is just due to heat waves, droughts and floods associated with climate change. That that, ha, that has nothing to do with disappearing glaciers, rising sea levels, which is going to bring about increased flooding. Um, and that those things alone is going to change our atmosphere. It's going to change sea level and it's going to wipe out probably a lot of those. Um, and if you look at most countries most of the people in those countries live closer to the coastline. Everybody wants to be closer to the water, especially the wealthier areas of most countries. So those are just heat waves, droughts, and floods. I mean, we we have to look at other factors as well that's gonna be happening on this planet. There's been an increase, this is, you know, from another study that we did since the, I believe it was since the 60s, 70s, there's been a humongous increase in, earthquakes tidal waves uh in the 15th century they had two earthquakes that was recorded in the 20th century we had 123 earthquakes now when I say earthquakes seven point up you know up to 7.0 magnitude and I'm not talking about no little quake where you one little dish falls off your your bric-a- brac shelf and you're not even sure what hide happened because nothing else occurred after that you heard felt no more tremors or anything these are all been major earthquakes, with a lot of them being what we would call, um, earth. and the Bible describes it, earthquakes in diverse places, meaning at the edge of Teutonic plates, one set of plates mantle below the earth shifting against another, that's your major earthquake. Scientists can always see those coming, they can usually predict most of those, you've been seeing it throughout the history, of mankind, especially since we've gotten, you know, out of the industrial age, we're into this uh, age where there's electronics and TVs and and everything around, satellites, they can predict these things so they have the equipment to do so. The problem is earthquakes in diverse places, meaning in the middle of a plate, huge earthquakes occurring up to 7.0, Those have been very dangerous because we can't see them coming and they could be equally as dangerous as two major plates shifting as one another. And that's what the Bible is referring to when they said earthquakes in diverse places being one of the signs, another key sign of the end times of of man and the return of uh, Jesus Christ. Famines and troubles. The United Nations had a meeting uh, where they converged in uh, 19 May, 2022, and they talked about uh, basically uh, there's not a, there's more than um, anywhere. Starvation balloon from 80 million up to 323 million, um, and the numbers are continuing to grow and grow and grow. Uh, Ukraine, for instance, who provided food for about 400 million people, they're totally taken out of the market right now because of the war, Uh, And the volatility with them in Russia and Russia can't do anything because they've been sanctioned to high heaven. So between Russia and um, Ukraine, they supply, I believe, maybe uh, two, two fifths of the grain to Europe. Um, That's that's huge. That is huge. So we're seeing a lot of uh, (laughs) interesting things going on. because of wars and uh, what's happening on the earth, the birth pains of the earth, paying great homage and signs to what's a, what is soon to occur, which leads me to number seven, since I was talking about wars, wars and rumors of wars, uh, violence then and now, right? Consider the, you know, the age that we live in. there has been an alarming increase in global violence uh, just in the last uh, 100 years. And, and in the last 120 years, we had two major wars, World War I and World War II. There's been hundreds of wars in the last 100 years, 150 years, hundreds of wars. The main two is World War I and World War II. Those two alone killed roughly 140 to 150 million people. That's almost half of America being wiped out. We got about, what, 350 million people in America? That's almost half of our country being wiped out in two wars. What do you think, listener, is going to happen in World War Three? Personally, with things like the Tesser bomb that Russia has, that America, by the way, has no way of stopping that, it's, it's the most powerful thermonuclear device in the history of mankind. It makes Hiroshima and Nagasaki look like a picnic in the park. And they got those all over Russia, pointing at all their enemies. And we have no answer for those. If you don't believe me, do your own research, listener, and you'll be just as... I wouldn't say I'm terrified because I know where I'm going to go, but... you know, if you don't know the Lord, if he's not your Lord and Savior, you don't know who God is, who Jesus is, you might think differently about learning of such knowledge of what's going to happen. That's just their arsenal. There's enough atomic and thermonuclear weaponry on this planet to wipe this planet out 10 times over. In other words, (laughs) we got what? By 2030, we're supposed to have Eight to ten billion people on this planet, or nine to ten billion. If you kill the planet, if you kill the planet ten times, each time having ten billion people, there's enough arsenal right now to do that. So I can't see World War Three being this pretty little thing where they're going to pop off. Two nuclear devices like we did, one in Nagasaki, one in Hiroshima, and then turn around and go, all right, guys, I don't want to shoot anymore. Let's settle down now and try to talk about peace. What's going to happen is this. And, Brother Rob, I'll let you chime in afterwards and tell me if you agree or not. Whoever starts it, when they push their buttons, everybody else is is going to freak out and start pushing theirs, too. Thoughts?
0: um i don't have the most confidence in russia in terms of any of their nuclear arsenal um the only confidence i have is that it was made during the Kida Khrushchev, i can never say his name right but the guy from the 60s and um you know i'm not so sold that that the nuclear that they alone are such a nuclear threat that won't be answered you know, they do have the most powerful bomb that's known, you know, that's known up in terms of nuclear capabilities. But, you know, based on what I've seen with Ukraine and with Putin himself, you know, I don't have that much faith in their military that they could pull off such a successful event without any intervention. But that's just my personal opinion. But as far as it relates to uh, your end of day's uh, discussion, um. Yeah, it certainly would be the end of the day. <laughs> They lost that. They lost that nuclear bomb. You're going to have, you could be in a situation where there are various nuclear bombs being lost or another World War III, you know, based on what these powers are responding to. Um, so it's an interesting, it's a situation that can go anywhere, you know, because there's so many, I guess like the other World War two World Wars before it, um, there were so many factors that influenced, you know, the world that once it, started the war it was just a crazy mess on several fronts and it kind of died down in stages you know based off of you know certain factors running their course so um so you know definitely something that is a concern because you, you know i think everybody in terms of these big nations probably have an arsenal ready to go in terms of you know their nuclear capabilities that they're not discussing um, even but, even
1: Iran yeah. has an arsenal now. Even Kim Jong Un yeah. has an arsenal. I heard he has like forty of them now. Like a firecracker, they don't make right? It China. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I mean,
0: you see a North Korea's missile test. You know, they never go past. Uh, they might go past Japan, maybe, but you know, and that's and that's kind of what you see is like you know, if you can't execute something as minor as taking over a country you used to run only seventy years ago. Is your nuclear system that perfect and ready to go that you know without any hiccups and i could be naive but you know for me you know i feel like they're aging military they're you know they've lost half of their tanks they're you know their ships are breaking down you know is that a sign that they're spending all the money on the nuclear equipment and you know the only thing i would maybe be Slightly swayed by is again that it was built in the 1960s when they actually made things last, so maybe it is <laughs> good to go. But um, you yeah, know, but I think there is a concern for World War Three. You know, the way the world is going and the direction is going, and you know, there's something could be conflicts that could arise that would rise to that level. So uh, you know, it's definitely an interesting point to make in this discussion.
1: Well, Matthew White, who uh, wrote an article, the Historical Atlas of the 20th Century, back in 2010, Deaths by War. Stated that uh, wars in the past ninety years—ninety years—have killed more people than during the previous five hundred years combined. An estimated two hundred and three million people were killed by wars just in the twentieth century alone. All right, between one hundred and seventy and three hundred and sixty million people were killed by governments in the twentieth century, apart from war. So 360 million, that's America right there. So in the 20th century, we basically killed off a whole country full of people, not even in war, just the governments going in and wiping out people who are standing against them, who don't want to agree with them, who are giving them problems, whatever. Recently, more civilians have been dying in armed conflicts than combatants themselves accounting for 90% of casualties since 1945. Just in the last decade, war has claimed the lives of an estimated 2 million children and has disabled another 4 to 5 million children. So, <laughs> another silent killer is, the, is abortion. And this is from the Global Abortion Rates back in 2008. Um, It talks about how uh, each year right around 44 to 50 million abortions are performed globally. So between wars, governments, abortion, and then in America, we got this beautiful thing that we're proud of. I'm being cynical, called mass shootings. Uh, CNN states that there has been at least 89 mass shootings in the United States so far this year. And this is from February 2023, February 26, 2023. I'm sure that 89 has gone up since then. I know it has. Leaving more than 125 people dead and 350 injured. And we're just just beginning March, according to Gun Violence Archive, the GVA. Uh, the dangerous pace of mass shootings escalated in 2020 during the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. And it's been uh, steadily rising since then, Uh, between 2019 and 2020, I guess because people were out of work, bored, sitting at home, not much to do. So they were a little testy. Some people were afraid. Some people were angry. You know, you had the election going on around that time. it's just a whole lot of things happening around then, right? Um, Between 2019 and 2020, the total number of mass shootings each year has jumped uh, considerably from 417 to 610. And then in 2021, it became the worst year when the GVA announced, um, tracking them all the way back to 2013, that we hit around 690 mass shootings across 44 states to include Washington, DC. And in 2022, we did a little bit better, but we were down to 647 mass shootings in 2022. And trust me, these are the ones that make the news. I mean, those smaller towns in the Midwest they don't make the national news. They don't make CNN. They make their local news, and it may not even go any further than that. So, this number more than likely is going to be much higher. As far as um, wars and rumors of wars, we have China trying, you know, considering evading Taiwan. And China is huge, and America feels we can handle them. We kind of can, but we kind of can't. Uh, we uh, spend around six hundred eighty-two billion dollars annually on our military expenditures. They only spend about um, half that amount, I believe. Um, they're estimated to have, as far as soldier population, seven um, seven point uh, zero five four billion, while America armies consist of around three million. So uh toe-to-toe, unless you throw the marines and special forces in there, they can kick our butt big time. <laughs> Nobody's beating up a marine. I'm sorry. <laughs> or our special forces, but um obviously those men and women can't handle. I mean, that's that's a huge number. Seven billion is huge. So I had to look at that number twice because I couldn't believe it. I said, this doesn't this doesn't make any sense, but that's how big they are. Now you got to consider. They said soldier population. Not all those 7 billion are highly skilled, trained fighters. Where if you look at our three million, what that's reflecting to is highly skilled, trained military personnel. The way China looks at it, if you're Chinese, you're a soldier. That's the way they look at it. So a lot of those people, if they went toe-to-toe to us, would die. But overall, over time, without using any technology and going toe-to-toe, obviously, it would be very difficult for $3 million to take out $7 billion. But don't forget, we have one good thing going for us in America. Darn there, everybody owns a gun. <laughs> and, not, and we've proven recently we're not afraid to use them. So that would be an interesting uh, stat to compare if you add into the mix how many guns are owned legally and illegally in America. I don't think we would be at that easily of a pushover if we went to war with China. But here's the problem based on what we said earlier about Russia. I don't feel I feel America is going to get invaded, but it's not going to be by Russia alone. and It's not going to be by China alone. It's going to be Russia and China. Together, they could give America a good run for our money, which would escalate and lead to World War III and us pushing those buttons and sending off um, those nuclear devices, because that's the only way we would consider being able to win is to push it to that level. Next, North Korea versus South Korea, and the Korean War started June 25, 1950, 135,000 soldiers from the Communist North Korean People's Army, the NKPA, crossed the 38th parallel and invaded the uh, ROK, which is the Republic of Korea. And since then, they have been at odds with one another. That started the, uh, the Korean War, basically. And as of 2020, I did mention that uh, it's estimated that North Korea has approximately 30 to 40 nuclear weapons, and they're producing a significant amount of uh, fissile material um, for to you know for about six to seven nuclear weapons per year. So if this is from 2020, they've gained another. Twelve to fourteen. Since then, is that enough to cause problems with South Korea? You betcha. You betcha. Because they're so physically close together to one another, South Korea is not that big, so they can definitely cause some problems for them. I mean, after all, we had to get involved to help end the last skirmish back in you know during the Korean War, or it would, it would probably not would have turned out so well for the South Koreans. Number eight on the list: Jubilee Cycle. There is a um, seven-year cycle and a related 50-year cycle in the Jewish calendar. The seven-year cycle is called the Shemitah year or the sabbatical year, and it's every seven years. And the Jovel, Y-O-V-E-L, I apologize for mispronouncing that, is the Jubilee year, and that's the 50th year. So the Shemitah year, um, like the Shemitah year, the Jubilee is uh, one in which there is no agricultural work to be done and the land is to lie fallow. Uh, Additionally, the, the Torah mandates that all slaves are to be set free and that all the land should return to its original owners. This is a high celebratory period for the Jewish nation. And the way to know... If you're in a Shemitah year or a Jubilee year, so we may, let's say we're in year 5782 by the Jewish calendar. If you could take that number and divide it by seven and it comes out to a whole number, no decimals, then you're in a Shemitah year. If you take that same number and divide it by 49 and get a whole number with no decimal places, then you're in a jubilee year. Now, was it interesting?
0: Yes. So it's 2029, a jubilee year? Is that what you're...
1: It's actually, you're it's actually the end of a Shemitah cycle because the um they have two different calendars that they're using. You have the um God's calendar, and then you also have the calendar that the, the other calendar that the Jews devise. The second calendar that they devise is set to um, match up with the agricultural time periods. So that being said, it appears from what I've learned that their calendar compared to God's calendar is off by six months. So what they feel is the beginning of the year is really the middle of the year. That's interesting. Fifty nine seventy one. Which was um, the end of which was 2022. So 5971 2022. You divide that by seven, it's 853. So that makes it a shemitah cycle. When I divided 5971 by 49, I got a decimal point. So it's not a jubilee year. It's a shemitah cycle. Every group of shemitah cycles, there is something that happened in that previous. Shemitah cycle that plays forward into what's going to happen in the next seven years. And usually there, they are always things that God is putting into place, where they be warnings, certain things that's happening in their land. And if you listen to some of our other Bible studies, listen, we talk about a lot of those things. On, the, on God's calendar, Nisan 1, which is in March, March 23rd, on the spiritual calendar, is the beginning of the year. Nisan 1 to Adar 30. But on their calendar, because they use the agricultural calendar, Tishri, which is in, um, I think it's in September, right? Right after the Feast of Trumpets, Tishri to Elul, is their year. So they are a six months off, meaning that the true Shemitah cycle for this time period ends in March and a new seven year period uh, starts this March. That is important for these reasons. I'm gonna give you the reasons for that here in a second here. So what occurred in this particular, before I go there, let me go back and explain something else. As far as Jubilee years, it is stated in the um, Jewish customs in their Talmud and uh, other, I believe it's in the Torah as well, that there would be no more than 120 Jubilees before the Messiah returns, 120 Jubilees before their Messiah returns. And that was in what, what scripture? It's in their Talmud. It's also no. in the Torah. And it's also in the Bible, Genesis 6-3. Now, I'm going to read it in two different ways. I'm going to read the Aramaic Bible version in plain English, and I'm going to read the King James Version. The Aramaic. Actually, I'm going to do it the other way around. I'm going to read the King James Version first. The King James Version. This is Genesis 6-3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh. Yet, His day shall be numbered to 120 years. All right. That's the King James Version. Now, when you go to the Aramaic Version, it says, And Lord Jehovah said, My spirit will not dwell in man for eternity because he is flesh flesh. And his days shall be 120 years. What is the significance of 120? A lot of theologians stated that well, what Jesus, what God meant is man will not live to be 120 years old anymore. And not true. Methuselah lived to be 969. After he passed, seven days later of mourning, and doing their um You know, their ceremony, the Jewish ceremony for his passing, the Great Flood occurred. After the Great Flood was when God said this, because he knew he was going to destroy man. Or right before it happened, he said this, because he knew he was going to destroy man. There has been several bible figures and if it's been bible figures trust me there has been people who weren't bible figures who lived more than 120 years i'll give you a couple famous names abraham ishmael isaac and jacob all those gentlemen lived to be longer than 120 years so if that's the case and god said something and he meant it do you feel now that he was talking about mankind themselves living to be 120 years. No. If you look at how old people are living today, I think the oldest living person recorded in the last 200 years was 115. So yeah, we're having trouble cracking that 120-year barrier, but let me and enlighten you with technology that they haven't, that they're putting into place right now. That's how I know we're that last great generation. We're going to crack that code because they've already cracked it genetically uh, on the, um, uh, they, they figured out the human genome, they just stated just recently. They finally mapped out the whole human genome. And they're going to have the ability in a few years, to be able to extend life up to 130 to 150 years easily. But that's using science. That's not the natural order of what God had in store for us. But that 120, listener, has nothing to do with how long God intended man to live. What it has to, because let's look at the 120 again. Noah took the uh, 120 years to build the ark. During that time period of that 120 years when they built the ark, he was preaching for that 120 years. He wasn't just building the whole time. He was also preaching because he knew what was going to occur. So he was out there trying to find as many holy people as he could that was willing to follow the doctrine of God to get onto that ark with him. But alas, you know the story, it was only him and his family. After the flood, some... Uh, um, I already mentioned some biblical figures that live beyond 120 years. And it references to that 120, that 120 references to the fulfillment of the year of Jubilee that will take place to announce the second coming of Christ. And guess what? Guess when the 120th Jubilee is going to occur? Right in a timeline that we're in now, it's going to happen around 2030, give or take a few years. So we're right there. Number nine, more proof, the Revelation 12 sign. And in Revelation 12, one through five, King James Version states, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head, a crown of 12 stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there also appeared in heaven another wonder. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. So the first part. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven: a woman clothed with the sun and a moon under her feet and upon her head a crown with twelve stars. This actually occurred, and it's the only time in history in mankind that it has occurred on uh, September twenty third, twenty seventeen. This arose over Israel. The king planet, Jupiter, which represents Yeshua HaMashiach in second heaven, which is outer space, went into the womb of the constellation Virgo, the Virgin, in December 2016. It did a retrograde motion while it was inside the womb, meaning moving like a baby would and move around in the womb. It didn't come out until September 23rd, 2017. Um, let me explain the rest of it. And she was clothed with the sun. Her sun was over her shoulder, clothing her. She had the moon under her feet. On that particular day, there was a crescent moon. The crescent moon represents the tribe of Israel. And upon her head, a crown with 12 stars. The constellation Leo has nine stars in it, with the king star being Regulus. And if you take Regulus and put it in conjunction with Venus... I believe that's your Bethlehem star. And I'm going to explain the importance of the Bethlehem star in a second. So if you add three more planets to that, Mercury, Mars, and Venus. So Mercury, Mars, Venus, Regulus, the Sun, Jupiter, and the Moon were in a straight line on September 23, 2017. And this whole thing, if you want to see it for yourself, um, you can go into the um, what's it called, brother Rob? The stellarium. You go to the stellarium and put in September 23rd, 2017, go to the constellation of Virgo, and you can see this whole thing I just described to you. That was the Revelation 12 sign. Now it has some importance as to why it occurred on 20 September 23rd. One, I believe that was a Jubilee year. Two, it was um the feast of trumpets three it marked a celebratory time for israel because they came back to their land officially in um september 23rd right around september 23rd i believe it was 1867 there was two gentlemen gentlemen samuel clemens also known as mark twain in 1867 went from new york because he was a reporter to Israel on a pilgrimage and his job while he was there was to write about the condition of the land and at the time the Byzantine empire owned the land at the time and they were muslims i believe and there was also a british architect who didn't know Samuel Clemens his name was Charles Warren he was a british officer architect he went on a pilgrimage as well to go to Israel to write about the land. And (laughs) what was so interesting about Charles Warren, he completed his excavations and his measurements by at the Temple Mount, by tricking the Muslim authorities. It was so funny the way he did it, but um, what those two gentlemen did, uh, Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain's reporting out to the world, the condition of this land, and with the British architect doing what he did eventually led to Israel getting their land back. That eventually led to that. So that was sort of the uh, one of the major p- pieces on God's chessboard to bring Israel back together. And I feel that this Revelation 12 sign, not only did it mark a mile marker on God's holy calendar... He was also telling Israel happy birthday. And that occurred on September 23rd, 2017. But there's something else interesting that happened in this last Shemitah cycle. There was um, the Bethlehem star appeared in a Shemitah cycle before that. So you take this last seven years and take seven years before that. So I believe it was in um, 2016. December 2016, the Bethlehem Star Conjunction occurred. And when I say Bethlehem Star, everybody heard the story about when Jesus was born. There was the star that rose over that shone so brightly that the Magi used it to find their way to him. And you heard the stories and the beautiful cartoons they made and and everything, you know, the whole story. So that is a holy, the Bethlehem Star is a holy Um, star that marks something significant relating to Jesus Christ and it occurred in I believe it was December 2016 and it occurred again in at the same time the Revelation 12 sign occurred in the next Shemitah cycle so or maybe I got the, the first one wrong but it occurred twice now here's the interesting thing I mentioned before how something occurring once spills over into the next Shemitah cycle. In other words, whenever God is about to do something, he sends two witnesses. Two witnesses in outer space would be the back-to-back Shemitah cycles where the Bethlehem star occurred. And then it occurred again, right after the Revelation 12 sign. So, I believe it occurred uh, I think November, December time frame uh in 2017. So what does that what does that signify? The body of the um was that Virgo represents the church. The crown represents our rewards when we're going to get into heaven when we get raptured. But The Bethlehem star signifies Jesus being not only the leader of heaven, but his transference into power as the Lord and Savior of this earth, as the head of this world. So that's foretelling a sign, the Revelation 12 sign and the Bethlehem star that Jesus' return is 100% imminent very soon. So number 10, that leads I to... Do
0: remember, I do remember that from our previous um, our episodes. So uh, maybe we might want to just uh, reference that for our readers, I, I, viewers. I don't remember which episode it was, though, that we talked about that. Do you recall?
1: Yes, listener, uh, go check out the uh, End Time Marker Part 1, where we were talking about the Revelation 12 sign. And we went into great detail to uh, show you what God has been doing in second heaven with all the constellations and planets and stars and such. Once again, that's the End Time Marker Part 1, the Revelation 12 sign. You're definitely going to love that particular podcast. Which leads to number 10, Yeshua HaMashiach. Um, it's the Hebrew, that's Hebrew for Jesus the Messiah. Uh, Yeshua is shortened, in a shortened version, is the name of Yehoshua, which means Adonai saves. Mashiach is the Hebrew word for Messiah. It means anointed one. So the anointed one that that saves, the Adonai saves. Um Scripture of Jesus' return, Matthew 24, 30. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. If you go to um, right before that, because remember, Satan knows what's imminent, just like we know. He was in heaven, so he knows not the exact day or hour either, but he knows the, the, pretty much the time period. So he's going to proceed whatever Jesus does. So <laughs> this Matthew 24, 30 is not talking about the, the harpazo Rapture or Rapture. Matthew 24, 30 is talking about Jesus' return and stepping onto terra firma, this earth itself. So in Matthew 24, 5, so I gave you Matthew 24, 30. Matthew 24, 5, this is the false Christ arrival. And it says, for many shall come in my name, saying I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And yeah, we can go, we can go back through the history of mankind. And every generation has been somebody who stepped up that claimed themselves to be the Messiah. But this is what's so interesting about this timeline now. The Jewish nation doesn't take these things lightly. And while they may have had every generation, a scholar or a person that wrote that appeared to be um, Christ-like, he wasn't elevated to the status of being. They knew that he wasn't the Messiah until now, until now. There's a gentleman, his name is Ray Shlomo Judah Yehuda Barry. To most, they simply know him as Ray Shlomo uh, Judah Yehuda. He was born in 1988. And do you know that on 4-4-21, he was celebrated as the anointed one in Israel the day after Passover on his 33rd birthday? They are saying they have found the Messiah, and he is with them right now. And this is that guy. Whether you're in Israel, they're talking about it. They're talk- the Jews are talking about it here in New York. They're talking about it all over. They say that the Messiah is with them, and very soon he's going to announce himself to the world. The Bible states he doesn't announce himself until after the rapture. So, if he is the their Messiah, and he's going to announce, they're going to announce him to the world. That means that the Harpazo Rapture, which is a pre-tribulation rapture, it doesn't happen in the middle or at the end of the tri- of the, of the uh, um, uh, tribulation period. And I can go over that in another Bible study as to why not. I think I will for anybody that has any doubts about this whole thing. But. If you look at that 120 years where God was saying his spirit shall not live in man, what that means is his Holy Spirit is going to return to heaven. When he returns to heaven after 120 jubilees, and I gave you the time period, who's going to return with him? What do you think, Brother Rob? The church. Yeah. The church. The church. Remember why Jesus is returning to this planet. He's returning to this planet to square everything away with the Jews. Remember, he's the king of the Jews. He's coming back to deal with the Jews. He gave them a mission, which is why they were the chosen ones to complete, to go ye and all the nation and preach the gospel. And in his books, they're going to do it. Now, the Gentile nation took that over, and we're going to be rewarded for that during the harpousal Rapture, you know, Raptural, But the ultimate teacher, the great teacher, which is Jesus himself, commissioned his people, the Jewish nation, to do that job, and they're going to complete it. They are going to complete it. There is another prophecy, and there's been plenty of prophecies going around, uh, and that's the Beresheet Passover prophecy. It first came out in the spring of 2018. Bereshit is Hebrew for in the beginning. And God talks about his return in the first scripture in the Bible, which is Genesis 1:1. in the beginning. If you, every letter in the Jewish alphabet has a number affiliated with it. And if you do the math, um, we're short on time, so I don't have time to play it now. But go on to YouTube listener and listen to the Bear Sheep Prophecy, and it outlines the numerical value for what in the beginning means, along with other things, and it points directly to the year 2030. Now, I'm going to give you one last nugget before I go. We we end this. From Adam to Abraham, it was 2,000 years. From Abraham to Jesus, it was 2,000 years. From Jesus to Jesus, 2,000 years. That 2,000-year mark is 2030. So why do I say that? Because the second Jewish temple was built in 70 A.D., You subtract track 40 years from that, and Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected in 30 A.D., you add 2000 years to 30 AD, 2000 plus 30 gives you 2030. Simple math that even a caveman can understand. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Another nugget Methuselah lived to be 969 years old. He was the last holy man before God wiped out the planet. If you take 969 and put it into the gematria, what the gematria is, is, you know, uh, converting numbers or words uh, and, you know, d- using what I just told you about every number of word has an, a, a number affiliated with it. In the gematria, 969 comes out to M-M-X-X-I-X, which is basically 2029. So. That's a lot of interesting, (laughs) a lot of interesting symbolism that um, even if even looking at the New Age movement, the New Age movement people um, said that 2030 is going to be the year of enlightenment. And what is the only thing that the New Age movement people are lacking? They're lacking God being behind the change that's going to occur by 2030. I've I've even heard about space aliens that have abducted people and people who've been in contact with aliens and even aliens themselves have told people in their conversations with them that the world is going to go through an abrupt change. And a lot of not a lot, but some people on the planet are going to disappear into another dimension of space and time by 2030. What did they just describe? They just described a rapture. (laughs) because they said the earth is going to be uninhabitable after 2030 a lot of scientists all over the world have speculated by 2030 there's not going to be enough food water or shelter to take care of our basic needs for the 9 to 10 billion people that's going to be on this planet we've outgrown this planet we are destroying this planet so there you have it listener i've thrown uh Ten good reasons They are culminating all at the same time. Some of those things are occurring in first heaven on this planet, second heaven in outer space, which is phenomenal. If you think about what it takes to put certain celestial signs and bodies at a certain place at a certain time in the last 15 years shows the perfection of God. Because all it takes is one meteor to come along and change the trajectory of something. And the whole thing may not occur as we know it. So God has been purposely orchestrating and manipulating second heaven since history began, since he put us all here, since he put the earth here, because he wanted the group in the last days to be able to see, do you honestly feel, listener, that the Revelation 12 sign occurred within the fig tree generation for Jesus not to return for another thousand years? No, it doesn't make any sense. So in God's ordinal way of perfection, he did all this to show us all that the time is nigh. So that's second heaven. And then you look at what's happening in first heaven, which is heaven, heaven. You can see that is clearly everything is second first heaven and, and and which is uh earth and second outer of space is clearly being orchestrated by god himself so there you have it
0: <laughs> well, i think that was an interesting uh 10 point i'm not going to call that introduction but review uh, <laughs> is, that, is that a is that a top 10 or is that just just 10.
1: That's just 10. That's not even the top 10. That's just 10. There's so much data. If you listen to Jonathan Kahn, Jonathan Kahn is is one of the most gifted, gifted prophets I have ever seen. He has been able to connect the dots from scriptures to what's going on in the world on certain days. Like Jesus himself, this is a point I didn't even know. Jesus himself, every major thing he did when he was alive, Every major thing that was written about happened on a Jewish feast and festival timeline. So think about it. They were traveling by mule or horse or foot or boat. They were not jumping on an airplane and flying across the globe. You can fly across the globe today on the other side of the world inside of a day. He did everything on foot and on horse or mule, whatever, boat. And he was at the appointed hour and time exactly where he needed to be to do exactly what God wanted him to do that aligned with a Jewish feast and festival timeline. How was he able to do that? Because he never broke contact with his father.
0: Yeah, interesting point. Yeah. And
1: God has been doing these things throughout the history of mankind. Showing us these markers, doing these little things or big things. Some of them are big, some of them are small stuff. It's just amazing. It blows me away the amount of empirical data that's pointing to now being something major is about to happen. And I think mankind knows it. Aren't we all connected through the Spirit? All man was created in God's image. That's what the Bible said. We were all created in God's image. So we we're all connected by the Spirit. We we're all connected, right? So you deep down inside, even when you talk to a non-believer, they feel something's not quite right, but they don't know exactly what it is. Well, believers know. <laughs> we know because we read the Word, we pray, the Holy Spirit shares things with us. And during the Daniel Tribulation, God's Holy Spirit is not going to be here anymore. He's going away with us. We're going to be in the beam of seat of Christ, you know, celebrating with the holy spirit because jesus is going to be down here on this planet doing his thing we're not going to be back here for that we're going to be in heaven for seven years during the tribulation period we're going to be in heaven when god wrecks this planet we're going to be in heaven with jesus then jesus is going to return i got it wrong he'll be with us for the seven years but he's going to return at the end of that seven year period
0: And that's a good point to uh, end our episode. And uh, thank you very much for the time you put in for today's uh, lesson and exploration. Uh, Viewers, you can revisit or re-listen to this episode, or go visit some of the past episodes that we've had where we've touched on these, these different points in a full episode each. So uh, you can go to uh, DBSG on Facebook. You can also go to uh, DBSG Podcasts, where you get your local podcasts. And you can also visit um, other social media platforms with uh, DBSG uh, links to our episodes. And uh, we thank you very much for listening to us.
1: And listener, you can find our podcasts on the following podcast apps. That's Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio player fm Pod chaser boom play and youtube on social share media you can find us on facebook tumblr and twitter
0: brother fred thank you for putting that lesson together and uh do you want to close us out on a prayer
1: yes i would and i want to thank all you listeners for um tuning in and and listening to this that are going to be listening to this uh in the near future here and we'll get this out to you as soon as possible but um i want to pray and, and thank our father god for uh sending his son to be our our lord and savior and to cleanse our heart our mind and our soul and to keep us focused on him and to protect us from all harm and we know that this these last days are are not going to be pretty days especially during the daniel's timeline of tribulation my prayer is always has been always will be that these messages that brother rob and i put out father god and other messengers and and anybody that's out there working diligently to put the message out your word father god not ours will save us to help someone get saved and find you dear lord So um, with with, uh, the true spirit of of Jesus guiding us, we want to keep pushing forward with love, peace, and harmony, even though the world is falling apart, because we are your ambassadors here to spread your good news. And thank you for that gift, that gift of true life, Father God. We're thankful for all things great and small. In the name of our Savior, uh, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, amen and amen.
0: Amen. And viewer, our listener, thank you for joining us again for another episode. And please join us uh, next time as we are launching the new season of our podcast. Have a nice day.
1: And if we're still here, we'll see you soon. (laughs)